Us We Make, the podcast about making creativity and why we do what we do as makers and creatives. I'm your host, Vincent Ferrari, and joining me this week, my co-host, someone special who is not my good friend, Ethan Carter, it's a different good friend, a good friend you may know as Blackthorn Concepts on Instagram, and he is also the co-host of the Working Hands podcast, my good friend, Mr. Keith Drennan. What's going on, buddy? How are you? Thanks. Thanks for having me. Doing good, man. Doing good. Stepped in at the last minute, coming in, just doing his thing. Anytime you want. Anytime you want. Anytime uh, Ethan wants to head off to whatever land he goes to, I'm in. Oh, Ethan's yeah, Ethan's in Rwanda this week. He um I'm I'm not gonna spill the beans on who our guest is next week, but I promise you he wouldn't have missed next week. I would have to I mean, if he misses next week and he's not here, um, call the police. Something <laughs> happened to him. But in the meantime, um, yeah, Keith, it's it's good to have you. You so fun fact before we even get too far into it, Keith was actually going to be my thing of the week because I've known Keith for a while. We've been friends on Instagram, which means, of course, we're like life partners now. And <laughs> one of the craziest things in the world happened a couple of weeks ago. Keith was promoting his podcast in his stories, and I'm like. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You have a podcast. Yeah, I, I know that podcast, but I hadn't listened. I readily admit that I hadn't listened, but you had a podcast and it was one I'd heard of. And I'm like, well, now I have to listen. And I, it was going to be my thing of the week this week. But I'm amazed that you have heard about it, but you didn't hear about it from me. <laughs> I don't know. That's weird. It's one of those. I don't know where I heard about it, but I knew I, I knew of it. I was like, oh, that's his. Now I'm going to start listening. And I started listening. So since I couldn't make your podcast thing of the week, it is the Working Hands podcast. And you're with Chad and Tony. Tony. Yep. Okay. Yep. And. It's funny. I, you guys are just really funny together, and <laughs> we it's try. awesome. In we fact, the, the the greatest thing happened last week. <laughs> the greatest thing happened. A couple of weeks ago, they had on Chris Powell from Full Steam Designs, which is great because we had him on, too. I think everybody wants to have um, Chris on because He's Chris has... He's rounds, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, project, that car is just ridiculous. And I think everybody wants to... You know, hey, you got a really good thing. Let's help you promote this, right? Because everybody loves Chris. Chris is one of the good guys. And <laughs> I named the episode. I thought I was being so clever. I called the episode Full Steam Ahead. I was like, yeah, I'm so clever. Like, uh, granted, it was an obvious reference, right? But I'm thinking I'm so clever. So I get a message from my good friend, Keith. <laughs> and he's like... Hey, you know, uh, that's a that's a good title for the episode. And I'm like all proud of myself. And I'm like, yeah, isn't it? So I was kind of proud of myself for coming up with that one. <laughs> and then he sends me a link. And I didn't look at the link. I was driving at the time. So I, hold on. Let me rewind. A, a, I must a have few missed a part. Because the week prior to you having Chris on, I was promoting our episode with Chris. And I was pushing out all his things into my stories and how he was on. <laughs> Full steam ahead. I was putting links in, and Vincent messages me like, "Hey, he's going to be on next week." I'm like, "Yeah, he told me. I'm very excited. I can't wait to hear it." Thinking at some point you were going to respond with your episode with him is why I asked him to be on. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. By the way, this is this isn't the first time a story. I just want you to know this isn't the first time a story like this has happened where. Um, somebody kind of expected, I think he mentioned it on the podcast, but I won't shout him out because it's kind of embarrassing for me and maybe a little bit for him, but somebody who thought he was going to be invited on and got all ready to be on. And then it took like a year and a half to get him <laughs> on the show. 
that's how clueless I am. What do I? What can I, I say? I'll tell you what. But, getting guests yeah, so on I is go, tough. I getting go, guests uh, is tough. Guest guest booking is the hardest part of doing this show. No yeah. doubt about it. Um, anyway, I I get I get to look at <laughs> I finally get to work and I'm like. I click the link to your show and it says full steam ahead. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Maybe I'm not as clever as I thought I was. And I was so disappointed in myself. <laughs> I was like, you did. You it. did add an exclamation point. We did not. I did. Cause you know, it's, ex- I was excited. It was exciting. <laughs> Jeez. But yeah, it you, sounds. um, you guys do, you guys do a really good job over there and I'm kind of excited mm-hmm. to have you as my co-host boys. He's my co-host, not my guest. I'm my co-hosting co-host. boys. <laughs> yeah, we're all big fans of yours, so I haven't told them, so it's going to be a surprise when they hear that. I'm oh, there. it's going to be a pretty big surprise. It's going to be awesome. But so Keith, as much as I love Keith, Keith isn't the only guest that we have this week. Um, well, Keith isn't really a guest. He's co-host. We actually do have a guest this week, too. And guest this week is a friend of mine. Just, I'm just going to have all my friends on on days like this where it's just going to be like people I'm friends with. Let's just have them on and chat with them. But you probably know him from instagram and youtube he goes by making at home it is the one and only mr steve mosley what's going on buddy hey vincent how are you doing i'm doing good man it's good to have you on i appreciate being here steve steve is one of those guys that i feel like everyone on instagram knows in some form or another like i i see your stuff getting shared all the time i see the stuff that you make showing up in other people's stories you're one of those guys that just has stuff that really appeals to people and you got a visual style that just kind of kills your your stuff is clean it's modern and you do interesting stuff in all kinds of different ways whether it's wood just straight up woodwork or some cnc stuff you've done a lot of stuff with resin you've done cooler stuff with skateboard laminate than anyone i've ever seen it's it's pretty cool the stuff you're making over there well thank you very much i um, i'm having a lot of fun with it you you so why don't you give us your origin story a little bit tell us about your um your background because i i know you now but i didn't know your background story until you know i did my research because you know i'm a fancy host and i do (laughs) gobs and gobs of research um so i went to your website and read your about page and you have an actual you have an interesting origin story why don't you tell us a little bit about that yeah you know i i grew up on a, a farm in illinois and we were just always building things, uh, you know, working on projects. Uh, we had quite a few hogs at one point, uh, several thousand on the farm and dad Holy was always crap. building hog sheds and we were moving grain bins from one farm to another, just doing a variety of things. And we ended up remodeling my parents' house over a, a couple of year period. And then, uh, uh, left the farm, went, went to, uh, Iowa state university and got a civil engineering degree. And so there's kind of a, a little bit of an engineering twist on some of the things I, I make once in a while. And, uh, it's, it's kind of apparent as my wife would say that it looks like an engineer made it. And <laughs> so, so it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I get a little, uh, wound up in some of the, some of the items and, uh, some of the projects turn, turn out going a little longer than expected, but it's, it's a lot of fun. It keeps, keeps me a little sane. You're, you're a lot like me. You seem to really enjoy, I mean, for me, I like woodworking. I mean, it's okay. You know, woodworking is fun. I have nothing against woodworking. I'm, I'm a fan, but I really like 
digital fabrication a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I love CNCs. I love lasers. I love 3D printers. I even love my Cricut. Like I love all that stuff because for me, I'm much better at creating an idea on a computer screen and then bringing it to life when I have the help of machines. Because I'm, I mean, a machine doesn't do all the work, but it does make you appear more competent than you might actually be. And I readily admit that there are times where my machines make me look a lot better at what I do than I actually am. Um, It's interesting that you have an engineering background and you're into this stuff too. Do you think that plays into it a little bit or is it just a fascination with technology or where does the love of the technology stuff come from for you? You know, I I think the engineering background and some of the software I've used in the past and uh, in the design aspect of projects has has helped with maybe the digital fabrication and uh, using easel software with Inventables and the X-Carve. But um, I I think in general, I just like coming up with project ideas and figuring out how to make those work. And I actually have kind of a problem when I I get about 90% done and I know I can finish the project, I have a really hard time finishing it from that point on. You're moving on to the next one already. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because yep. there's plenty in the queue. So uh, yeah, it's 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 a problem I know I have, and I'm working on that. That's that's funny you say that. That was actually there was a run, there was always a running joke. I've always talked about how my dad was like an actual carpenter, like formally trained, apprenticed, you know, journeyman carpenter for a while. And he, <laughs> the running joke in my family was. My dad made a million different projects, but never finished any of them. And, <laughs> and you know, my mom, my mom always jokes when she sees the stuff I make. She goes, "Wow, you! It looks so good with finish on. Like, wow, you put some finish on that. That looks really nice." My dad never finished stuff. He hated doing finish. He loved the building part and like the construction part, the problem solving of putting stuff together and all that. He really, really hated fin- the finishing part of finished carpentry ironically mm-hmm. that's where i feel i can i can mess a project up in about five minutes it took hours or days to complete <laughs> have, have you had any of those that you just went oh what was i thinking like oh that that there's no way that was going to work you know i've had a few i i've had some uh, pretty good epoxy fails like a lot of people have with when they've started messing around with mm-hmm. with that as a, a material just with uh you know uh I, I guess tint uh, seeping through the wood fibers and staining yep. the surface of the wood and stuff like that. Uh, not, not really any too, too many. Uh, I guess big failed projects. It's probably more just fear in my head that that I feel like that that could really be a a bad ending for a project. Well, totally. by the time you get to finishing, the finishing takes what maybe a tenth of the time of the rest of the project. Maybe. Right. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. And and it's it's the one part everyone looks at first. Is it's the finish, you know? Yeah, and, so, and you're always your own worst critic, right? Oh yes, yeah. It could always be smoother. It could always be less lumpy. It could always be. It, it could either always be smoother or always be less smooth. No matter how you finish it, you would have liked it the other way. Like I, I always get the to the end and go. I just shouldn't have gone with satin on this. Like I should have gone like <laughs> that, like that really hard. Cause sometimes you don't want that. Like you don't want that plasticky hard poly look. And then sometimes you really, really want that. And you go the other way and you're like, no, that didn't turn. Like, I, I feel like the finish is always where I end up going. Eh, it looks good. All right. It, I get to that point. It's never quite what I want when I put the finish on, even like, like when I deal with, I have a key sign that um, a doorway entranceway key holder thing that I'm making for a closing gift for a client of mine. And 
I'm looking at this thing going, I don't know how I'm going to finish this because no matter how I finish it, it's going to look different from how it looks like right now. But I really like the way it looks right now. <laughs> it's not yeah. going to do like a water-based poly. It, it's still going to change it. It's still going to change it. Whatever I do to this, it's not going to look the way it looks right now. And I just have to figure out, do I want to just lean into it not looking like this and just go whatever direction? Because really, I really want to put shellac on because I could do that in four coats and be done in an hour. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, so I know sometimes I'm uh, kind of... I kind of settle on maybe the finish I have available or maybe it's a time constraint and um, it isn't always the the finish you wanted to go with, but maybe what you had time for. And, and yep. I, I think everybody goes through that. Have you it's ever like, had the struggle where you bought a new finish and it's one you hadn't <laughs> used before and you don't want to finish because you're not sure how to use the new <laughs> stuff never, you bought? Never once. Yeah. I don't know oh, what yeah. you're talking about. <laughs> I did Monthly, that. yeah. I did that the first time. So I was using... Um, I was using spar I was using spar urethane on the coasters that I was making and I was using a brush on one. Brush on acts a lot different from the one out of a rattle can. I learned that when I got the rattle can the first time and wow, that just changed everything for me. I wasn't expecting it. And one of the things you don't realize with a rattle can is it doesn't dry the same way <laughs> at all. Really? So, yeah, no matter how thin you put the coats on, it doesn't dry the same way. So I it's I feel like everything with woodworking is like a really annoying learning curve. And like no matter what you're doing, no matter what the finish is, stuff you've done a million times, you do it again and it's like, why didn't it work this time? You know, I made a cutting board. I was I think I told it on this podcast. I made a cutting board a couple of weeks ago. It was beautiful. It was one of the nicest cutting boards I've ever made, right? Put the whole thing together. I'm chamfering the edges. And as I'm chamfering the edge, the whole side just falls off the board. <laughs> I'm like, I've never had that happen. I've made more cutting boards than just about anyone I know. And this whole thing just delaminated and fell off on the workbench. And I'm like, wow. All right. That's that's a new one. I don't know why that happened. I still don't know why it happened. The final board made it to where it was going. So I guess it was okay. But... <laughs> You know, it's it's a complete learning experience. But I, I notice, you know, Steve, you tend to work with, you tend to try a lot of new things. And it's got, one of the things I actually learned from you, now that I think about it, and I'm looking through your Instagram feed as I'm talking, the the um, the fake Lichtenberg pattern. Oh, yeah. Which was absolutely brilliant. If you guys haven't seen this, Steve, tell us how you did that because there are people who are going to hear this and go, oh man, I need to do that myself. Yeah, well, I always thought uh, the Lichtenberg patterns were really cool, but I thought that's probably a, a good learning experience and a good way to die really fast. So, <laughs> uh, so I basically, uh, I was trying to figure out a way to, to maybe recreate that. And on my CNC, I thought, well, what about using a, a V-carb bit and getting a lightning pattern and just, you know, uh, carving it in that way? And you know, trying it out, it, it actually worked. And the, the hardest part was, um, you know, after I poured the epoxy into this lightning pattern that I carved, the hardest part was just not taking too much off the surface and, and losing some of that detail because it's a very thin, mm -hmm. shallow, shallow pattern. So, uh, yeah, it worked out really well. I, I imported a, uh, you know, just a lightning pattern into the um, easel software and um, carved it in the, the cutting board. And, you know, when you, you hold one up to a real Lichtenberg pattern cutting board, most people wouldn't really be able to tell the difference. 
for those of you that for those of you not familiar, Lichtenberg patterns are those things that literally look like lightning shot lightning blasts across a piece of wood. And the way you make them is you coat a board with um, a solution. It's I think was it's it's salt and water or baking soda and water, and you just brush it on the board, and then you put the the basically the power source from a neon lamp on opposite sides of the board, and it puts like thousands of volts of current through the board and connects the electrical connection happens through the board and it burns like a lightning like pattern in the board. So Steve figured out a much safer way to do it, which is awesome. Yeah, it doesn't smoke up the garage either. So no, no, <laughs> and it's controllable. Yeah, exactly. And, and you can you the one thing about Lichtenberg patterns is they're incredibly unpredictable because you're not really controlling them. You're just letting the electricity goes where go where it goes until it meets the other side. And doing it this way, you can kind of have one that covers the whole face of a board, or just have it as an accent in the border, or yeah, the yeah, potential for that. It. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. This is the kind of stuff that you do, though. That I go, oh wow, I didn't I didn't think of that. Like I, I <laughs> you made the. Um, I never you, would have thought of trying that. No, I, CNC. dude, I had the CNC, and I'm watching this go down. And I'm like, oh man, these are people that are just way more creative than me, and it's so obnoxious, like <laughs> so obnoxious. You've done some crazy stuff with like I love the skateboard laminate stuff you've been doing. Um, you, I, you, I got a lot of questions on skateboard laminates. Yeah, let, let I I even remember I remember when we were in we were in um a group together and I remember asking you like where do you get this stuff from like I've never even seen it anywhere and you had a place that you even get it from and it's it's beautiful it's such a nice accent in the middle of even a regular piece of you know like you did it in a um like what looks like a white maple tray. And there's like yeah. these pinstripes of color through it, and it's perfect. Yeah. So the the company I get it through, which I'm I'm sure a lot of the listeners might want to uh, check these guys out. It's uh, Cozano Wood Products, and I'll, I'll give you the link so you can put it in the show notes, Vincent. But mm-hmm. these guys are out on the East Coast, and you can get this crazy bright dyed skateboard veneer. I think it's a 32nd inch thick maple that's been dyed different colors, and. Uh, you know, there's just not a lot of great supply in Iowa for skateboards. Uh, it's uh, That's a shocker. I know, I know, and uh, I, I do know the local skate shop owner, and uh, I do get uh, old boards from him. But the amount of effort that it takes to go through there and and uh, clean those up, you know, if anybody like most people listening probably follow uh, Ben over at Wobie Design. Uh, you know, it's a huge effort, and uh, it's still you know a product that's been used and you know, run through the gutter of the street. And, you know, so there may, may be some things you don't want to use it for uh, that are going to be on your kitchen table or something True. like that. And, uh, and this stuff, you can, you, you can cut it on the laser. Uh, even with a small diode laser, you can cut through it in a couple light passes. Uh, you can glue it together. You can cut it the size you need and you can get the colors you want and make any kind of pattern you want. So it's, it's uh, a real flexible material from just being able to do a variety of things. And, uh, you know, it's like five bucks a sheet for, uh, a piece and you can get plain, uh, maple, uh, sheets that you can kind of alternate the colors and it really makes the colors stand out when you put a, a, a regular maple sheet between the colors. Oh yeah. You, um, how you- big are the sheets? Are they all skateboard size when you buy them? Yeah. You know, I think they, I think they're, uh, 40 inches long and I want to say, 
10 or 12 inches wide. So maybe, maybe 12, uh, but they're, they're, uh, really easy to work with. And, uh, for the most part, they're, they're very flat when you get them, uh, you know, sometimes that dying process, I think can make them kind of ripple a little bit, but for the most part, you can, you can clamp these. If you're doing thin strips, you can clamp them together really easy. Um, great for doing, uh, vacuum press, uh, laminates and, and plywoods, like maybe, uh, Luke in the garage. Uh, he does that quite a bit and, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're really easy to work with. Yeah. They're, they're so I'm looking, I just pulled up their site real quick while we were talking. Cause I was curious too. They're one sixteenth by 10 inches by 41 inches. So, okay. They're, they're, yep. yeah, one and a half, basically for those of you that do actual measurements, it's one and a half millimeter by 10 inches by 41 Ooh. inches. So it's thin actual stuff. Measurements? Yeah, I like I, I like to appease the uh, the metric gods. I don't like to anger the metric gods. I <laughs> There's <laughs> more metric it, users in the world than imperial. It's it's really funny how when you start dealing with digital fab stuff, you you kind of learn how to speak both, like at least casually, so you can go, oh yeah, no, that's is that that's one eighth. What's one eighth? Oh, it's three millimeters. You know, it's not really exactly <laughs> the same, but it's close enough where you have a point of reference that you can have a conversation. But yeah, I don't know how you guys do it, but I do everything in Imperial still. And then and, I change my I change my units right before I do my G code. Oh really? Yeah. Hmm. Huh. I t- yep. <laughs> we both went, hmm. hmm. <laughs> I know because I can't I can't well you know, I I draft for my day job, so mm-hmm. I can't like in my head I can't operate in millimeters. Like my whole world is based on on imperial measurements, so that's just how I work. So when I I draft for my making stuff, like for my CNC or the laser or whatever, I draw it all in in imperial and then right at the end I just swap to millimeter and then I I always export my G code. I was yeah. always like of the mindset that millimeters were stupid. And then <laughs> when you start with the first thing you bump into when you start with 3D printing, because 3D printing was my first real foray into making, the first thing you bump into with 3D printing is that everything's in millimeters. Like literally everything, start to finish, the filament comes in millimeters, the head size is in millimeters, the layer heights are in millimeters, everything is in millimeters. And you start going, I better really get a grasp, at least so that I understand scale. <laughs> like <laughs> at least that much. It's just, I, I, I mean, maybe you guys, cause you guys work in it more often directly than I do, but I can't like my brain doesn't compute when somebody says, Oh, it's, it's three millimeters or, or two centimeters. I can't figure out what that is. <laughs> really? I'm very yeah, surprised. I'm honestly, I can't very picture it in my head. Wow. Yeah. That that's actually really interesting. Steve, what about you? Is that you know, I, I'm sitting here trying to think about how I how I go through the process of you know translating measurements, but uh, you know a lot of the stuff I I do in my day job uh, I do in Imperial, and mm-hmm. so most of the time I I think I am working in Imperial um, mm. and just doing a lot of the math in my head, getting close, and then you know fine tuning it as I as I get deeper into the project. Actually, that's probably how a lot of people do it in general. Like they they use they have a rough rule of thumb in their uh, in their mind, and they kind of use that to dial in and get in the ballpark, and then they make sure it's correct because mm-hmm. otherwise things can go horribly wrong. It's like, oh no, your your CNC is twenty centimeters of travel. Cool. 
Oh, 20 <laughs> millimeters of travel. That's a very different number. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think if our world worked in metric, it would be so much better. You know? It might be. Steve Ramsey did a very interesting video a long time ago where he was talking about um, for woodworkers in particular. And he said that actually, if you look, if you think about woodworking, inches and feet are easier measurements to work with than millimeters and centimeters. And he demonstrated, I don't remember what exactly it was, because I mean, nobody really does woodwork in millimeters, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean even even the Can- my Canadian friends that I know use inches and feet <laughs> in woodworking. <laughs> but it was really interesting watching him watching him demonstrate why he liked using um, imperial measurements for woodworking. I just thought it was so counterintuitive to everything that I've heard. Like I've been told for my whole life, you know, the Americans, we get it wrong, we get it wrong. And I'm like, yeah, but y'all work this way too, you know? Yeah. And I guess I don't even take for granted that, you know, three quarter inch thick piece of plywood is going to be that thick, you know? So I'm always double checking everything anyway. So I don't now, think it matters if it's metric it, or imperial. I was going to say, you get actual not. three quarter inch plywood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Isn't That's what like they a, tell me it is. <laughs> it's like 11 sixteenths now. It's not three quarter anymore, right? It's it's like right. 11 sixteenths or some, it's, it's so annoying. Yeah. Does if anyone can give me a good believable explanation as to why dimensional lumber is not the size it says it is, I would love that. I would love that more than anything. Like if you're going to tell me something is a two by four, why can't it just be two by four? <laughs> because it's a two by four before they rip it and plane it. Right. And but then it's that's not a, a lie. That's a lie. You know that's a lie. That's I just mean, what we were told. I know. It's like <laughs> it's okay, all so cost. Sa- it's all cost savings. I'm going to start do that. I'm going to start doing that with cutting boards. I'm going to be like, well, it was twelve by fifteen before I trimmed it down to ten by eight. And <laughs> it's, it's, so it's a nominal right? Yeah, it's a nominal. <laughs> t- <laughs> that's it. That's it. It's a like nominal that. twelve by fifteen cutting board. <laughs> we'll see how long that flies. <laughs> Woodworking is crazy that way, right? Like there's so many dumb things that we deal with and we don't even think about it anymore. It's just the way it works. That's woodworking. Trying to oh, explain yeah. it to a newbie is the tough part. Oh, it's the, it's, well, I, I was that newbie three, what, four <laughs> years ago at this point. And yeah, it, it wasn't easier for me. And I had a carpenter for a father and I still <laughs> struggle. I still struggle with it today. It's like I buy something like, okay, good, three quarter. And I measure it and it's like, this isn't three quarter. What the hell are they talking about? Like it's stuff is just not even close anymore. It's not even close. It's yeah, so and, annoying. And you pick up all these little bits over the years, uh, you know, as you begin and as you get better at your craft and you take for granted that, you know, all this stuff and mm-hmm. you, you forget what it was like when you started out. Yeah. Or like going, you know, going to Home Depot without a ruler in your pocket. I, <laughs> I feel bad for anyone that thinks you can just go into Home Depot and grab a piece of wood and just take it out and be confident. And I mean, if you can and you're right, then good Vincent, on you. I'm, you... I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Uh oh. In Home Depot. Yeah. In, <laughs> right. Right yeah. in the tool corral, they have tape measures right there. I just go grab one and I walk over to what I want to measure. You know, it was really funny at my Home Depot. Somebody got really, really smart, and they put um, one of the one of the supports for the shelf system. They had just a bunch of 
Fat Max rollers just hanging there. They were they were brand new. They weren't, but they weren't the carded ones. They were the ones that just hang, and they were just sitting there, like ready to sell. You had to buy them. You couldn't walk out of the store with them, but they were there in the aisle with the lumber. So if you needed to measure your stuff, you could. I didn't know until about, and this is embarrassing as hell, but I didn't know until a few months ago that if you buy a piece of lumber at Home Depot and you take it to the aisle with the saw in it, the molding aisle. You can cut it there and they don't care. They want you to use that saw. That's what it's there for. It's for you to cut the stuff and take it with you. I had yeah. no idea. Yeah, and yeah. granted, it, it won't really cut the wood. It'll burn through it. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was talking. Oh, no, I'm not talking about that. No, no, no. He's talking, about, he's talking the handsaw. Yeah, I'm talking the, the handsaw that's on like a cart. No, yeah. they have one of those radial arm saws at my Home Depot. And I look at that thing and I just imagine my wrist getting cut off every time I see it. Those things terrify me. Did y'all see the one Keith Decent got? Yes. Oh my God, that thing is so cool. He bought a, um, for those of you listening that haven't seen it, and if you haven't, why aren't you following Keith Decent on Instagram? Like, I mean, he's, he's a great follow, but he got, he got a radial arm saw where the saw part is just an attached circular saw. It's genius. Hmm. Be- so it then- comes off and you can use it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I would never buy an old 1970s era um, radial arm saw, but this one was too cool to pass up. And he demoed it, and it's like four bolts hold the saw part on. Take it off now. It's a now it's a circular saw. If I had if I had the room in my shop, I would definitely have a radial arm saw. Yeah, you're not you're not terrified of them. No, no. (laughs) I'm I'm scared to death. I I don't know why. I'm like of all the tools I use, that's the one that scares me the most. Uh, like, I like it. I want one, you know, just so you could do dados and everything right on the top, you know. It it's does it it doesn't kick the wood back to you, does it? It it throws the it wood would forward. Kick it away from you, yeah. It's the reverse yeah, so of a table saw. It's funny, it's actually safer than a table saw. <laughs> well, for cross cutting. For yeah, cross cutting. Well, yeah, yeah. If you're you gonna know. rip on it, I would never rip on a radio arm saw. Oh I my god, I, how would that even work? Like the blade comes out and then you spin it ninety degrees and then you lock it in. At oh the, Yeah, that's how they work. They were supposed to replace table or you know, be a replacement for a table saw. So it's a chop saw and a table saw all in one. Oh, I didn't the know. The arm will come out and rotate ninety degrees. I had and no that idea. is the part where everyone fears them, right? Because <laughs> scary. if it just grabs and throws the motor at you, who right. cares, right? It, it's eventually going to stop when it hits the end of its throw, right? <laughs> Your hand's not going to be in the way of the blade anyway if you're doing it right. But when you're ripping, you turn that thing 90. Let's say you turn it 89 degrees. Ooh. Now you're going to pinch it between the fence. Oh, that's yeah. where that's where the bad history of the radial arm saw comes from is it'll take that piece and throw it just like anything, but you're actually physically rotating it at a wrong angle and it's easy to screw that up. But if you keep it 90 and only use it for cross cuts, you're fine. We, I was listening to, I was listening to, um, maker's waffle. Um, I listen to it every week, obviously, um, because they've had the best guests in podcasting on it namely me. Um, <laughs> but they also had um, this past, um, was it this past week? No, it was the week before last. I'm a little bit behind because it's a long podcast, but they had Dave Bauer, our friend, our mutual oh, friend, Dave, Dave Bauer. Bauer on. Dave's, Dave's one of the good guys. And it was his first podcast appearance. So congratulations, Dave. You lost your podcast virginity. And 
Dave and Dave and Andy and Jamie were talking about um, safety in the shop and like safety protocols and stuff. And I, I was I was thinking about this, and I may have misunderstood what they were saying, but it it gave me a thought, and I figured I would talk about it with you guys because you could probably relate to it. So I'm looking at my hand right now, <laughs> and I do have all my fingers. I just want to point that out. I have all of them and all parts thereof. So I have ten complete fingers on my hand. So I'm I'm good there. But on my hand, I have two really nasty cuts. I have one on my thumb, and I have one on my left ring finger. And they're, they're, they're relatively deep. I mean, they didn't require stitches, but they were deeper than I would have expected. Which I realized, th- the right hand or left hand? Left hand. I'm going to try and figure out how you did it. Would well, I know? Would I know? You, I promise you, when you hear how I did it, you're going to think I'm insane. Okay. But I'm um, not going to guess. <laughs> you're probably not going to guess, but I have this thing, and there's a theory I have about my shop where I have never cut myself on anything sharp. <laughs> <laughs> wow, congratulations. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a, I don't know. I think I'm just – my guard is up enough when I'm around like the saws and the blades and the, the router bits and all that. Where did I cut? Where did I cut my hand twice in the same day? On my oscillating sander. <laughs> Oh, (laughs) I have like, it took, it took quite a bit of skin off my ring finger and quite a bit of skin off my thumb. And I I was thinking about this as they were talking about safety protocols and stuff. And I'm like, you know, I've never hurt myself on a sharp object in my shop. The closest thing I came, I caught the corner of the anvil part of the vice that I have on my, on my workbench. And the corner just kind of dug a chunk out of my thumb out of the top of my thumb and made a mess and it was a little bit scary, but it was, it's not sharp. It's just a point. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering from you guys, since you both have shops, is this something that you guys have experienced or is it just me, the crazy person who doesn't hurt himself on anything sharp and everything dull just rips me to shreds. Oh, Keith, you want to go first? So when I was in school for a uh, shop class, mm-hmm. I was taught, that there is nothing more dangerous than a dull chisel in a workshop. <laughs> okay. Um, and I have paid the price of a dull chisel more times than I want to. Really? Yeah. Now, that said, I probably cut myself. I probably have more bloodshed from my sanders <laughs> than anything. Okay, Oscillating good. sander with that hard edge hit me, hit the, cut me three times on one project. I once put my knuckle right into my uh, my belt sander. I've done that. <laughs> I've done that. the skin on that more than once, more than I, I care to admit. I didn't realize how sharp the edge of a random orbital sander could be oh, until yeah. I sliced my thumb wide open with that. <laughs> so I use, I'm not one to get the best paper out there, but I do love this paper. I get the Diablo paper now mm-hmm. with the, it's like a mesh. Yep. And I was oh, getting it. that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I was getting it because uh, I had an old sander that was great. It, it, it got up all the dust if I used that. I had no dust. But one thing I learned was if I switched to regular paper, I couldn't get too, I couldn't get too close to my fingers because I cut myself. So <laughs> that's one way around it, Vincent, is just get the, the mesh paper. Get softer paper, basically. <laughs> <laughs> that's the trick it's softer paper i, wow. I, I, I what about you steve have you yeah. is this something you've experienced or are you yeah. one of those i cut myself on normal things you weirdos 
I, I I'm starting to feel pretty accident prone, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I kind of have an injury every week, you know, and, and it's, yeah, it's, it's sandpaper, you know, knuckles on the, um, the oscillating belt sander. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, it's the things you, you're so comfortable with that they do become a little dangerous, but, yeah. um, usually, you know, putting a new, brand new router bit in the CNC, you know, just putting it in there. All of a sudden you're like, wait a second, where's this blood coming from? You know, you just cut yourself on the edge and it's, they're so sharp and you're, you're just not thinking about it because the one you took out was pretty dull. (laughs) (laughs) Why you took it out? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, little injuries, but you know, no real moving blade type injuries, but just a lot of, I will take abrasions and stuff like that. I will take a thousand of those a week versus Mm -hmm. a moving blade issue oh, oh yeah that's that's why i got a saw stop i was getting so nervous using oh, really? the old table saw i had I, I was like yeah it was just I, i've never had the the uh, safety feature go off on it but mm-hmm. um and i still treat it with a lot of respect but i was like boy i only have to mess up once and i had uh, i had a really bad kickback when i first got the table so i was i was a newbie woodworker and i think i had the table saw probably about three weeks at that point and I went down, I had this idea and I was like, you know what? I'm going to try this real quick. I'm just going to run downstairs, which is by the way, the dumbest thing in the world to do. Never, ever, ever plan to run downstairs and throw something through your table saw. It's a really bad strategy and you're almost guaranteed to do something dumb. So I went downstairs and I, I wasn't thinking, I don't, I don't know why the hell I did this. I basically positioned the board incredibly stupidly it pinched it shot back my gripper shot back it shot across my shop shattered a box of fluorescent bulbs a <laughs> box of flore- like i didn't touch my table saw i literally didn't touch my table saw for i think it was about two months after because i was terrified of it i could not bring myself to go down there and you know who got me out of it i'll tell you who got me out of it it's very funny um bruce bruce ulrich oh yeah Um, i was talking to him about it and he said well you can't just leave it down in your basement forever and not touch it again i was like well watch me (laughs) i'm doing a good (laughs) job of that right now but he made a suggestion he's like well you know what you did wrong so if you know what you did wrong, you just have to not do that anymore. And it's it sounds really simple, right? But one of the things about me getting my confidence back to actually start using that saw again was like, yeah, you do know what you did wrong. You kind of jammed the board through. You kind of just forced it when it wasn't really wanting to go. And when it grabbed it and bit, it threw it back at you. You know better. And I got really, really careful after that. And there have been times even now many years later where I'll be down at the saw and I'll start to position something in it. And I'll not necessarily like do that whole, I know a lot of people like to do that whole move it through and just see how it feels and just go that way. I don't do that much, but I'll start a cut. And if something doesn't feel right, off goes the saw. I keep it in place. I don't try to move it back toward me because I'm worried it's going to kick back. And you'd be amazed how many careful things you do after a while just because a bad thing happens to you. So if a mm-hmm. bad thing can happen and spare you an injury, it might be the best thing that happens to you because you learn what happens when you're not careful. Yeah, most people most people call that collection of little things that you did wrong experience. Yeah, <laughs> but it is, right? I mean, you're never going to do everything right at the beginning, especially with something 
you know, I mean, the table saw. I'm some would argue it's probably the bandsaw. I could probably you could probably make an argument either way. I feel yeah. like the table saw is the most dangerous thing in the shop. Like by far the thing that requires. <laughs> oh, the I most find repair. the bandsaw one of the safest. Yeah, I think I thought I feel so that too. Way too. But you know, Jimmy Jimmy made a good point on making it a long time ago. He said that his the one thing people underestimate with a bandsaw is how long it stays spinning when you turn it off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, uh. It's a good point because mine goes for quite a while and it isn't even a big bandsaw with a giant flywheel. It goes quite a bit. So well, a circular sander is the same way. So be careful. It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't even have a blade on it. I, I swear I come upstairs sometimes and I have band-aids on and I'll get, what'd you do? I cut myself. On what? Like, almost with that, like, <laughs> what dumb thing did you do this time? Oh, you know, cut myself on a tennis ball today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I'm sure you guys are the same way. Sometimes you, you start working on something and you're just like, yep, I'm just not feeling it tonight. I think uh, I think I'm just going back inside. Yeah. Yeah, don't – another thing that I've learned is – don't go don't go to the shop tired. I don't care how much you think it'll wake you up to be there. Just don't do it. Because mm-hmm. you'll get that close you'll have a I close disagree. Call. Really? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> this is okay. Yeah. When you're tired but you have the itch to go to the shop, go to the shop. Just don't turn on a saw. You Fair can enough. clean, you can organize, you can plan. You can That's what I do cuts. a lot. It it's a but, good place to think, right? Like you, you, you're, you're in that. It puts you. I, I feel like when I go down there, it puts me in the mindset of thinking about the stuff that's down there. That's actually a good point. Okay, I thought you were going to make a funny joke. I'm not going to no, lie. I no, 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 no. I thought there was sarcasm coming. Like, no, go no, down I'm there tired. Yeah, go down there tired. Get yourself fingers. <laughs> Five less fingers. Yeah, take put some chances. Pillow, <laughs> put a put a pillow on your table so I'll live a little. <laughs> I would like I would like to one day kind of list out all the tools and figure out which one's the most dangerous and go down. You know? Mm. Like lay out that list. I wonder I I'd be very interested. I know that people get really skittish about injury stories. Uh, I've I've been lucky enough and I'm not trying to tempt fate here, but I've been lucky enough to not have any serious injuries in the shop, but mm-hmm. I really just have not hurt myself. I think I I scraped my finger once changing a blade on wood. I am knocking, believe me, I'm knocking wood very quietly for the sake of our listeners. But um, I have cut myself on a CNC blade on a CNC bit like once, but it wasn't even like it was just such a minor thing. It just, like you said, you just one day you go, wait, where'd the blood come from? Where'd, where'd mm-hmm. that come from? You don't even feel it. You do not feel it at all. It's ridiculous. And especially, then all of a sudden, especially with the V bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's where I cut it, actually. Like a good it was... 60 degree V bit when you go to put it in and you kind of push it up with your fingertip. And later on, you got blood all over your project. Yeah. You know, you know, what, you, you, you know what? You know what's an excellent tool to draw blood? Insert tooling. Any kind of insert tooling is your worst enemy where you can actually change the carbide out. Oh, and yeah. You get a V bit where you change out the carbide and you have that tiny little that tiny little torque wrench to change it out and they tell you right they uh, to their credit amana for example i have an amana v-bit with replaceable carbide tells you right in the manual wear gloves because you will cut yourself i don't need gloves who needs gloves stop it (laughs) whoa look i cut myself how about that (laughs) you could have seen that coming oh the instruction manual the instruction manual actually saw that coming but i I got a new uh 15 degree 
bit. <laughs> I oh thought, my oh, god, this... that's like a hypodermic needle. <laughs> oh, I think it's sharper than any needle I've ever gotten a shot with. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was right. Yep, yeah, went right into my finger. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> We but we don't even think about it, right like that's not going to affect you. You'll go down to the sh- you'll stay in the shop after that. It's like yeah, a little bit of CA glue fix that right up. Like no one will <laughs> yeah. even notice. I got a question for you guys because we did an, an, not to plug our podcast, but we did a safety episode, and mm-hmm. I don't think it came up once. Now that we're talking about it, but uh, I was just talking with the wife. I got to get a first aid kit in my shop. Do you guys oh, have yeah. first aid kits in yes. your shop? Yes, but I yes, have a I reason. Do. I have a reason for it. I didn't have one. And when I was going through chemo, when I was going through chemo, I had no platelets and no white blood cells, literally no platelets. Like Mm -hmm. if I cut myself in my shop, like there was a point where my, my platelet count was low enough where my doctor said, I don't want you in your shop until we get you tested enough to know that you can clot. Oh, wow. (laughs) So I was in really bad shape. If I had gotten any kind of, like I would get a paper cut. And it would bleed for like two hours, just a constant trickle of blood out my finger for like two hours. So at that point, my wife said, if you're going to be in the shop at all while you're doing this, that's fine. I understand this is your therapy. This is how you get away from everything that's going on. I want a first aid kit in that shop with you because if something happens, you have to be able to fix yourself up at least enough so we can get you to the hospital. And that's when I got it. But until then, no, I didn't have one in my shop, but I do have one now. <laughs> yeah. And mine isn't a, a full first aid kit. It's more of some band-aids, some, yeah. some, some, just some little things that, uh, I know patch you up type stuff in a big roll of duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> I have like, mine has a bunch of bandages in it. It has like, a, it has a styptic pencil, which I don't even know, like if those things even work anymore, but also has like pouches of like Neosporin type stuff. So you can disinfect it has alcohol wipes and like, yeah, it's good enough it's enough to <laughs> it's enough to seal me up and hold me up. the hospital is walking distance from my house which is kind of convenient so i mean i don't know how well i'd walk if i'm you know gushing blood all over the shop but right i yeah it's i do have one and it wasn't until it became like a medical necessity because you know i'm a guy and i you know guys just go i'm invincible and even though you know you're not you kind of act like you are you know Mm-hmm. I have, I mean, I have one attached to my house. I mean, my shop is attached to the house and I have one in my house, mm-hmm. but I don't have one directly in my garage. Oh, I yeah, just no. know where my electrical tape is it, and my super glue <laughs> you know, and that's I'm, it. I'm going to tell you the truth though. Like I have, I've done what my dad used to call an on-site band-aid, which is, you know, a shop towel wrapped in masking tape. I've done that way more than I've, I've not gone into the I've only gone into the first aid kit just to see what's in it. I've never actually <laughs> gone into it to like, you know, one of these many sander injuries that I've gotten. I've never actually patched any of those up with anything with the first aid kit. Normally it's just like, ah, just drop a little alcohol on that. It'll be fine. <laughs> Walk it off. <laughs> in most cases for me, I just let the blood go. and I, I just make sure my hand's not over top of the project. <laughs> yeah. You just hope you're not working yeah. with maple and you're fine. Yeah. Like as long as it's not maple, you're good to go on, on days like that. You really pray to be working with Paduke. Did you ever... <laughs> Did you ever see uh, that that movie Bad Santa? I didn't. I've not seen the movie. I know of the movie, but I've not seen it. Oh, uh, okay. I'm sorry. Well, well, the kid in there carves a pickle for Santa out of wood. And he's carving it, and he gives it to Santa, and Santa's like, 
why is it red? It's supposed to be green and pickle. He goes, well, I cut myself. Make <laughs> Christmas pickle almost killed him, huh? Oh, that sounds yeah. about right. That sounds about right. It's... So I got some questions for Steve. Go for okay. it while we're at it. Because sure. I don't want uh, – we're going long in the tooth here, and I don't want to miss out on these questions. <laughs> Go for it. When you were making these clamp racks, what yeah. made you decide to put Bessie on the side of that? Was it a sponsored thing? Did you just say, I want it? What happened? I've actually had a few people ask me that question. I've never really explained it anywhere where uh, it's available to people. But um, so basically, I I make videos for Inventables quarterly, and uh, I've had this cleat wall up on my wall way too long without uh, a whole lot of storage up on it. Besides the adjustable tool holder I have on it, and so I actually talked to Inventables about going with the uh, just all Bessie clamps with clamp racks because I have mostly Bessie clamps. And so I reached out to them to make sure we could use the logo and have it on the Inventables website as well and in the project. And they actually offered up some clamps as well and and sent those to me. So uh, they help supply uh, uh, a variety of the clamps that are on the clamp wall. So my uh, suspicion was right. You just wanted a whole set of clamps. (laughs) (laughs) It was a clever ruse. It worked out very well for everybody. I'll put it that way. (laughs) No, I... I love the idea, and I'm going to steal it for when I do mine, but I'm not doing Bessie on Uh the side of mine. I'm just going to put my logo on there. There you go. But I thought it was cool. I never thought, like, to put it in the, like, like a tool wall to put the logos in there. Like, your organization, if you do that for all your items, your organization is going to be through the roof. You're going to know where everything goes every time. Anyone who comes into your shop is going to know where it goes. Yeah. You just got to make sure it gets back there at the end of the day or the end of the project, right? Yeah. (laughs) And that's totally not the challenge of any organizational system is actually using. That's totally not the challenge at all. Right. Right. But no, it it worked out really well. And, um, you know, the, the wall will really take a lot more weight than uh, people think. And uh, so those, those clamps being up there really isn't an, an issue with the weight uh, of everything up there. But, but no, it's exciting to have that as a good start on, on the wall. And I've got a few more things I'm working on for, for that. The next one is a, uh, a chisel rack that I can take down and it'll kind of fold open and stand on, the, on a workbench and then fold back up and go back on the cleat wall. So that's the, the next item that'll go up there. This is the engineering background starting to come out of you. Like I can kind of feel it well, the, way you, you, the way you're approaching this stuff. This engineering background comes in for the uh, projector cart. What a yeah. genius idea that was. <laughs> that, that's been a fun one. We, we we haven't used it as much as I would have liked. Uh, you know, we're in Iowa, so there's like a couple weeks in the spring without mosquitoes <laughs> and bugs. And then there's about a week and a half or two in the fall. Uh, after a, a good freeze where you can go out at night and you don't get eaten by mosquitoes, but, uh, no, it works out really well and you can, you know, use it on a wall in the house and, um, yeah, you just one plug and, and you're good to go. So a couple of years ago, I got myself a outdoor projector and, and the screen and everything, but I didn't have a setup. So for me to watch a movie out there at night, it, it, it it's a production, finding everything, carrying everything out in bundles. I never mm-hmm. once thought to make a cart, put everything on the cart. So I'm stealing that idea, too. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Everybody's just going to steal all of Steve's ideas. I mean, that's – do you – actually, I don't I don't remember. Do you do plans and stuff for the stuff you make? Or I, 
I've got a few plans. Uh, some some are quite a few years old. Uh, I've got I've got some uh, a T Rex skeleton dinosaur plans uh, that I have on my site, and I've also got plans for the uh, adjustable width tool charging station, and um, and then I've also got a, a really old project. It's a, a toy crane that uh, a kid can sit on, and it has bicycle pedals. So when they pedal it, it spins around, and they can pick things up up with it as well. It's it's, and this is what I this is what I like about you. Like, even if you didn't, even if you don't have plans for something, like I'll look at your stuff and go, okay, file that one in the old brain housing group for later use. <laughs> you know, like uh, the Lichtenberg, the Lichtenberg pattern, the the way you do inlay, the stuff you've done with the with the colored veneer. I I just. I don't know. I just like, I want to make it. You're one of the few people who make stuff and then everything you make, I want to make. <laughs> and it's really interesting because there are times where I want to just go down and just have fun in the shop. And I can't because mm-hmm. it's like, Oh no, I got customer orders. I got to get, if I'm going to be in the shop, it's got to be making customer stuff. But it's like, I, yeah, I want to make, I like when you did the, um, the OSU tray. I love that tray. I think I told you when we were in the group too, that that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen the way you did the inlay. And that was, that was a challenging one. That was the first two mm-hmm. color wood inlay, an inlay and an inlay. Basically I, I did using the easel software and, and uh, uh, I did, I did cut one piece incorrectly and had to recut it. But for the most part, you know, it was, it was fairly easy. Uh, it's just a matter of getting the tolerances. Get. Yeah. I'm you just got to get the tolerances, right? Yep. And I love, by the way, I love, I love that your X-Carve has a cam system to hold your stuff in because mm-hmm. I, I don't know how many, how many auxiliary waste boards I'm going to wreck b- before I go, you know, maybe you need some kind of like dog hole and cam system somewhere <laughs> on this thing. Cause the way my waste board looks right now, it's got screws, you know, from screwing everything down and <laughs> nailing everything down and ca glue and blue taping everything down it's like my my waste board is just wasted <laughs> for lack of a better term yeah i've got the i've got that board i i originally got some uh details from ben myers mm-hmm. uh for his waste board and then i adjusted it a little bit and i've been using that waste board for a few years now on the x carve and i am getting an upgrade to the the waste board that they're coming out with here um with their current set of upgrades. So I'll be changing that here soon, but it'll, it'll have the T track and, and some other screws in it. They so really, they really upgraded the hell out of it. I noticed by yeah. the way, not to, not to talk trash, but I'm a shape Oko owner, not an inventables mm-hmm. owner. And I'm not going to get you to talk <laughs> trash about inventables. I'm not that kind of guy. However, I did notice that your router upgrade was the one that I already had mm-hmm. with my shape Oko. So there I had it better from the beginning. Now, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have that one and have some lower speeds available. Cause oh, it's uh, so good. It's such a, a good router i i haven't even i'll be honest with you as much as i've used as much as i've used my cnc i mean i have the i have the um carbide 3d branded one mm-hmm. so it's it's but it's the same it's literally the same router just with a gray case instead of a blue one mm-hmm. but yeah that thing, i haven't even changed i have two sets of brushes in a box just in case i've not even changed them yet it's been that good it's how it's many a, hours do you think you have on your brushes it feels like for it feels like every project takes two hours <laughs> so <laughs> Um, I couldn't tell you, honestly. So I have a, I, I, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Keith. I, well, how many hours do you get at a set of brushes? That first. I, I would think two to 300. That's yeah, probably right? about, that's probably about right. I'm probably on the cusp of needing to change these 
Um, my CNC is only like a year and a half old, so it's it would be odd for me to have gone through them that fast because most of my stuff is done with the laser, not with the CNC. But yeah, that's probably that sounds about right. I get mm-hmm. about eighty hours on mine. Eighty. Wow. Uh, what router do you have in yours? I have a Stepcraft Spindle. Uh, wow. <laughs> that's not and normal. That, and I can't Ooh. find no. According to them, a hundred hours is max. Of course, you're that, spending at a lot higher rate then too. So you're well, that wow. more revolutions. Is it? Wow, I don't even know what I don't even know what to say to that. That, that here's would, here's my problem. Huh? Oh, I don't want to talk trash, but they, <laughs> I can't I can't find these things anywhere but their website. Yeah, and they charge <laughs> me twenty five dollars for them. Wow, and then twenty five dollars to ship. Damn. Well, now we know where they're making their money. <laughs> On this guy. <laughs> <laughs> wow, a hundred hours and they're $25 a set? Yeah, I got to find a third-party company where I can get them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure if you looked on like AliExpress, you could probably find them. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be something. You get like well, 600 of them for like 50 cents or something because that's typically how everything <laughs> on AliExpress is. It's a certain size that's not made by most people. Mm. And to give you an idea, it's the same size that one of the Festool products use. Oh, well, that explains that explains a lot, actually. Because if you're doing Festool stuff, clearly you're rich. I mean, we all know how that works. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. Who knows? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually... Uh, I actually feel like I'm very lucky that when I got my Shape Oko, I literally bought all the things. I was like, I don't want any drama with this. I want it to come the way these come, you know, pretty much the carriage is pretty much together. Just put it on the gantry, tighten it up, and it sits there. The belts just need to be threaded, and you attach the board to the side of one of the rails, and you're done. And I was like, and everything I buy is going to come from them because I do not want to have to deal with later on. Like, oh, that's not our router. No, you uh, you didn't buy that from us. We can't help you with that. Like, nope, I'm buying everything from you guys. Everything's in your boxes. So I am yeah. way to do it. It's it's the only way I could do it because I had I had an X carve and I never got it together because I'm not competent enough to assemble it. And I spent a whole weekend and got about 65% through the install, through the, through the, uh, setup of it. And I was like, you know what? This is just not for me. And it ended mm-hmm. up on a, it ended up on a spare table in my basement until a kind soul bought it from me. <laughs> and like, I always like to say that kind soul who bought it, he looked at it and said, I'm not dealing with this either. And he sold it. So <laughs> it actually moved on to a third person who is actually using it. I was going to say how many more times will it sell. It's the yeah. community X carve, but the machine <laughs> itself. I, I one thing I liked about it, and I didn't love about the shape Oka was the the um, the threaded inserts mm-hmm. on on the whole wasteboard. I thought that was one of the coolest things ever. And as much as it pained me to put that whole thing in, like to one by one putting them on, mm-hmm. it really was nice. Like to have the 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 threads in there for the alligator. What are they called? The alligator hold downs. What they, crocodile clamps what are they called yeah, eh, I, you yeah know the ones. I, I, yep i do i don't know the exact name for them but yeah i i, I mostly use um cam clamps and double-sided tape uh from i think it's the uh, x fasten brand it works really well from my experience with it and uh for the lighter stuff 
But um, no, the the upgrades I've been going through, uh, I've got the uh, Z-axis upgrade and um, the height height adjustable or the the height increase upgrade, mm-hmm. and and they've been really smooth. Yeah, I they I'll tell you what the one thing that's nice about the X Carve, there are a lot of mods out there for it, like mm-hmm. a lot. Like you don't have to pull a Chris Powell and make the Franken Poco, which that <laughs> thing is just <laughs> absurd. It's wonderful. It's ridiculous. It's amazing. Everything he does is absurd. Yeah, that's the great part. Like, Chris is the king of over the top. He's low-key over the top. That's how we could describe him. Low-key over the top. (laughs) There is nobody who named themselves better. I mean, yeah, I know, Steve. You make everything at home. We get it. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) Vincent is handmade by Vincent Ferrari, but full steam ahead. There's no better thing than Chris with full steam ahead. Guy never sleeps, ever. He's building cars and tables in the same week. He, the due date. The guy's a nut. Steve makes it. I love that. Steve, you make it at home. We get it. <laughs> Did you? No, no. I mean that. I mean, I, he, he's great too. He makes everything in his shop, and you hand make everything. I get it. There's better things. I felt bad as soon as it came out of my mouth. <laughs> To the wrong two account names for this. This, this, for got, this, yeah. Yeah. this hey, got it, re- really awkward really fast. Hey, it, <laughs> hey, engineers are not known for their creativity and, and this kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah. Steve, Steve, Steve was in his shop and he's like, What am I doing? I'm making it home. There's the Done. name. Okay. That's not done. what I'm. That's not it's what I'm available. It's, uh, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> You go, to one of those name generators you, go, you go one of those name generator things where it checks your names on all the social and you put making at home and go, wow, no one's thought of that? All right. Yeah, <laughs> we're in business, baby. Yeah. I got 60 minutes in before I put my foot in my mouth. So. <laughs> this is what it's like being a host on a podcast with guests, Keith. That's <laughs> rough. You want to have it's, guests? It's rough. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the Working Hands podcast. If you want to hear Keith do more work with guests going forward. <laughs> You know, my favorite thing, my favorite thing, just just a complete disconnect on how this is me. This is totally me. So all this time when Steve, you're going to love this story. So (laughs) Catskill Mountain Maker Camp is held at a place called the Blackthorn Resort. And all that time. I thought Keith was related to the resort. (laughs) I said, no idea. (laughs) I just because I know you go to all the New York stuff because you're close enough. I mean, you're you're I in do. the area. I did run. I did run the uh, the the maker camp maker swap too. So I so have, it really confused everybody. I have to ask, how did what's the name about? I usually I wouldn't ask my co-host, but normally I know my co-host. So where did the name Blackthorn Concepts come from, and did you do it just to confuse everyone? Spill. No, I have been uh, Blackthorn for as a moniker on, on the interwebs for quite a long time before Instagram. Really? Um, I used to do photography on a a page and my name was Blackthorn there. Gotcha. uh, The Blackthorn comes from, uh, my name, uh, my actual last name means Blackthorn. Oh, Irish. So I I am a Blackthorn. So the joke was when I got there and I met Austin, who actually runs the Catskill Mountain Makers camp, (laughs) uh, I met him and I was joking with him. I'm like, oh, so you're a Blackthorn. And it started out with me asking, was he a Blackthorn? Like there's my last name, which is Drennan. Uh, There's 
Dragahan, there's Thorntons, there's all these different names that come, but they all mean Blackthorn in the same thing. So I thought maybe his family heritage was that or whatever, you know? Ah. Mm-hmm. His name is not one of those names. Uh, <laughs> and I said, I said, so how is, like, where did you come up with the name for your resort, you know? And he said, well, we bought it. It's an Irish town and it was an old Irish resort. We figured we'll just pick a cool Irish name. Wow. And they came up with the Blackthorn. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, the the area that the area that the resort is in is actually called the Irish Riviera. I learned that on July Fourth when I went up to meet Jimmy. So yes. I had no idea that it was called that. But yeah, yeah, there's a big sign as you approach it. Yep, yep. And I was like, the Irish Riviera. Like, okay, <laughs> you know. And then I realized, like, you know, I have strong connections to the Jewish community, and that's kind of how they look at the Catskills. So it kind of makes sense. So very interesting. interesting. Very interesting. So, yeah, Blackthorn Concepts, for those of you that were too shy to ask or too smart to not look like an idiot, just assuming, not related to the resort. There you go. Yeah. So at at the event, I ran the maker camp, maker swap table, and I'm, I'm checking everyone in. And they're like, oh, yeah, what's your handle? I'm like, Blackthorn, Res- or Blackthorn Concepts, not Blackthorn Resort. You know? No, I'm not related. Not related. <laughs> no relation. Yeah. <laughs> It's like the Animaniacs in real life. That's um, I I was I was so convinced that you were connected, and then you just one day were just like, yeah, you know, I have no connection, right? I'm like, you don't. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> well, I, I made the same mistake when when I was looking you up, Keith. I was like, oh, interesting. He's from up in Jimmy's neighborhood. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No. No. And he's a Mets fan. I am a Mets fan. Yep. Which we we commiserated on many many sad days um, i'm a Mets fan so i, I i'm okay with disappointment so <laughs> i've accepted my fate you're an irish mets fan though so i mean yes. at least that's cool so one night a year you get to wear the green mets hat so that's fun i wear it more than one night a year <laughs> you have one right <laughs> oh yeah every irish every irish mets fan i know has the green mets hat every yeah, with single the shamrock one. on the back yeah uh-huh. i have it yep nice <laughs> Nice. I may I may actually have two Vincent. <laughs> the hat's so nice you bought it twice. Yep. <laughs> Why don't we get into some uh some things of the week? Because you know, things of the week are always the uh the fun part of the show. Well, I mean the show's generally fun, but things of the week are always fun too. So uh as is typical, we normally let the guest go first, but now we have a guest co-host and a guest, so I'm a little bit confused. So <laughs> I'll let Steve I, go first. Yeah, I think we let Steve oh. go first since he's being billed as the guest here. So, Steve, what is your thing of the week? Well, I've uh, I've always loved uh, marble tracks and rolling. I guess other people call them rolling ball sculptures, but there's a uh, an artist on on YouTube, David Morell who does some just beautiful work and he actually, his videos are really fantastic. I think from a standpoint of just the angles and, and his different shots and the music and uh, real nice his composition. Lighting. Yeah. Yeah. He lighting. Just, yeah. He's a phenomenal sculptor as well as a uh, videographer. And uh, just there, I think most people really enjoy these kind of metal sculptures with marbles running through tracks and, and they're just fun to watch. And I did a, a marble track around my, uh, youngest son's room and all out of wood and um and this these kind of sculptures were the inspiration for that originally it is unbelievable to watch this thing go if you you know what it reminded me of as i was watching as i was watching the video after you put it in the chat earlier mm-hmm. 
in usually toward the end of the season in Survivor, they do a challenge. And the challenge is there's a ball and they have to keep the ball moving around the track. And what will happen is that as they get closer, as they get further into the challenge, Jeff will walk by and put another ball on the track. And to the point where they're coming out of different holes in the on the track and they're running back and forth, grabbing it, moving it, grabbing it, keeping to keep the ball moving along. And that's what it reminded me of. But it's all automated. It was so cool. I was just watching it going, oh, I would love to make something like this. It, there's a, I even the spiral like auger elevator type thing in the middle, just bringing the balls up to the top. And then they just follow the track down and he shuts the lights off and it's like it glows. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just does phenomenal work. I think it's it's very inspiring if you like that kind of metal work and uh, just something different you don't see every day. Have you watched the Marble Runs? You should runs? plug your own Marble Runs, too, while we're here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got Marble Run videos that, that need to be plugged, too. I, you know, it's the one around my son's room, I, I did that, oh, gosh, probably over 10 years ago now. And it's funny that that video has gotten, I think 1.3 or 1.4 million views over its lifetime. And, uh, it was one of the first videos ever made and I thought it was horrible and, and, uh, it's still my most popular video <laughs> I've done, but it's, it's a fun one. It's got a couple, a couple lifting devices that are battery run on opposite walls. And so once he starts the, the marbles, they go all the way around his bedroom and end up back at the original lifting device, which is a big, big wheel. And, uh, and for my other son, I made one that's just like uh, three foot wide, three feet tall. Uh, one you could actually move. It, it sits on a, a French cleat on the wall. And that one's that one's pretty fun from a standpoint of just all all in one area, kind of like the, my thing of the week here with, with David's sculpture. And uh, they're, they're fun. They have one inch marbles and uh, the tracks are mostly Baltic birch that are shaped and kind of made into like a C channel uh, type of track. I, I love there was a channel. I'm trying to remember the name of it, but it was something's marble runs. And it was that's all it is on YouTube. It's just marbles doing these crazy elaborate runs mm-hmm. end to end. And then there was another one that I got really into at the height of the pandemic because God, you would just go into any rabbit hole that YouTube would take in because you had nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. And it was just, um, it was like the marble Olympics where they had marbles from different countries. You know, they were really just marbles with different colors of the country flags and they would compete in marble Olympics. Like they had different sports. <laughs> like it was crazy stuff. And I'm like, wow, these YouTube people are just so clever with like marble tracks and, different mechanisms it's amazing stuff to watch and then to see you built one it's like oh jesus the engineer again the engineer right like yeah yeah i I hate to say how many hours it took to put that together but um yeah it was a pretty big time investment but it was worth it doing that out of wood though i mean like okay so like the sculpture you used and you showed in your thing of the week was metal right and Mm -hmm. i would i would say that i imagine doing something like this out of metal is probably easier because you can at worst heat the metal twist it to conform it to the shape you need to do it out of wood i mean it's got to take an incredibly huge amount of planning i i've uh i've worked on some uh tig welding some out of stainless steel eighth inch stainless steel rod and it i will say that the the metal sculptures are easier to work on and don't take nearly as long because you're, you're welding them, 
you don't have to wait for glue to set up. You don't have to sand, um, you know, the whole track like you do on some of the parts I've made. And um, if you screw something up on a metal track, you can just cut a section out where the, the wood tracks, you've, you've just got a longer time commitment for everything you do. Mm. But, uh, you know, and it's not to take away from the metal sculptures. They certainly have, uh, you know, their own, um, I guess. The challenges uh, are different for metal yeah, and wood. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think the metal ones change as much seasonally. The, mm-hmm. the two that I made out of wood, you can, you can tell they run different in the summer than they do in the winter. Just uh, humidity <laughs> oh, and, wow. and changes in the season. Interesting. Um, so you really, you have to, you have to really keep tabs on how fast the marbles are moving so they don't go flying off, but they keep moving fast enough. So they go to the next section and yeah, there, there, there's certainly different challenges they have. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty fantastic though. It, is it, it's weird. Cause you'll hit, you get that 1.3 million and you're just like, okay, this, this is it. Like the, I'm here now. And then, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. That was, you know, I have one video, my, I have one video that hit 10 K and I'm, I was so excited. I'm like, okay, I'm going to start making YouTube videos again. It's like, yeah, no, it's, <laughs> that, it, that means nothing <laughs> in the grand scheme yeah. of things. It means very, very little, but you can still hold that as a badge of honor because that's, you had, it was one of those viral type videos. Yeah. Like, it, it, at the time it was kind of shocking because uh, I had no idea what was going on. And then I came back one day and I, it was like at 10,000 views. I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. And like within two days, it was like at 800,000. <laughs> it, it was crazy. And I had no idea what was going on. Didn't really know what I was doing at the time either. And I was like, okay, that's I'll pretty neat. Yeah. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. That's, um, that's a good, that's a good thing. of the. That's a good type of thing of the week. I love, I love, I love elaborate machines and stuff like that. I watched um, Toy Galaxy did a whole video. Do you remember the game? I'm sure you guys do remember the game um, Mousetrap. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, he did a whole video on Mousetrap, the game, the origin, how it came to exist, what happened to it, the design, the story of the design. It was amazing. And what a story. What a g- And one of the things he said was, you know, it was most of the fun was putting it together. And all I kept thinking was I never once got the damn thing to work. Like never <laughs> once ever. But I love like Rube Goldberg type machines and that kind oh, of yeah. stuff. So that's why these marble runs, the really involved ones like you did where there's like elevators and latches and stuff. I love watching that. I think that's amazing. So. Yeah, they're, they're, I I think for most people they're just intriguing because you just don't see them very often, and just even though you can see where it's going to go down the next track, you, you still just something about it. You have to watch it run through the process. Yep, totally. Keith, I'm yes. sh- I, I'm pretty sure you have a thing of the week for us, sir. I do, and I chose it just for you. All right, <laughs> I, know, I know your aversion to Etsy. <laughs> so there is an account I found that recently brings me joy every time they post. It's phenomenal. It's, it is called it is called the Etsy Boys. It is an amazing it, account. It's spelled different than Etsy. It's E T S E E underscore Boys, but it it it's it's fantastic. It's so they are so funny. Like, I think you have, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if it's funny because we're in the space or if they're just funny. And like, if you're outside the space, it's funny too. Like, but for, for us, I don't know if you're outside the space, it would be funny. <laughs> yeah. I think I personally think it's a riot. In fact, every time I watch one of their, see their memes pop up or go through the stories and see them or see a song that they did. The song they did is phenomenal. It's awesome. <laughs> um, I think if Amy makes that, 
because she had that whole incident with um with Etsy. And every time I see something about Etsy, I, I just think of her because like it, I, I've come to associate making fun of Etsy with her. <laughs> so, so we were talking about it or I was talking about it with the guys on my podcast and Chad is a big Etsy boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he sells on Etsy. So now <laughs> I call him. Yeah. So now I call him an Etsy boy. But we were, <laughs> but we were talking about it and he's like this. Who's ever in it? It is obviously an Etsy seller mm-hmm. just by the pain they're going through. And the, it's just here. And it just, it makes me laugh. As, as our English friends say, they love to take the piss out of Etsy. <laughs> it's one, <laughs> it is absolutely wonderful. I, I fully endorse taking the piss out of Etsy, like over and over again until there's none to take. It's, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, maybe I'm just being mean, but. I liked I just, it when it was all ha- actual handmade stuff. Yeah, I now mean, people are just buying and reselling, and it's just you know, it's just another marketplace. I, feel like- I I really have found a love of it for like graphics. I think it's really good for that kind of stuff too now, and I'm okay with that because a lot of it is artists that are selling like SVGs and stuff, and it's like, oh, that's cool. You know what? That's good. I don't have to make that. I'll just grab it from you. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the stuff on there is just. I don't know. I remember, maybe I'm old. That's possible. <laughs> I remember a time where Etsy was pretty strict about copyright. And now it's like, there's just licensed stuff all over Etsy. And it's like, how is this not taken down? Like, how are they doing this? Because I am super careful. You know how much money I could make if I just lasered some licensed stuff onto some wood like i could be super rich like that would be my yep. my exit strategy for life my retirement <laughs> NFL plan logos or MLB exactly logos or- yeah it's all over that's it yeah and, and i just want to point out that's not to say i'm above doing that it's to say i don't sell it publicly i'm not an idiot right i mean I, I i everybody look if you have digital fabrication tools you've made stuff that you know you shouldn't be making everyone's so what vincent it. is saying guys is he does not sell that stuff on etsy Right. He or does not store. sell that stuff on Etsy. Or he knows store. how to make it all, but he does not sell that stuff on Etsy. Right. <laughs> wink, wink. I've never made licensed stuff ever that was sold on a place where you could buy it off the rack. I've never done that. Um, yeah, the Etsy Boys account, especially the song they did last It's just so damn funny. I think it was last week, yeah. Yeah, it was so good. They're, it's a funny account. They just came out of nowhere. Like out of all of a sudden, they're just like everybody's chatting about them, and they're just they're funny. They're really really funny. Oh, it's great stuff. Yeah, they're getting the buzz because people love it. I think. Yeah, I think I think it's relatable. I think. Oh yeah. I think yep. it's because you know, I think almost everyone I know that deals with everyone I know that deals with Etsy almost does it grudgingly. I was chatting with somebody who's just losing their mind because you know they're they're they have their whole advertising prod um their whole advertising thing where they they take a certain amount of your money and then they tell you it's for advertising yeah (laughs) and it's like oh okay that 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 sounds like fun and they just keep taking your money and taking your money and taking your money and so i don't know if it's true or not but somebody the other day was telling me that they're taking money off your shipping costs Taking money, what, and giving you the shipping for cheap? Oh, so if oh. you don't ship, if if you don't print your label through them, uh-huh. and I don't know how true this is, but this is what he was saying. He said, if you don't print your label through them, 
and you charge whatever it is. Let's say a flat rate box costs five dollars. Right? Mm-hmm. They take their cut of the additional five you collected through Etsy. So really, you have to upcharge your shipping to cover your shipping because they're trying to force you into getting into their shipping program so they can take their cut out of that. I hate them so much. I hate them so much. I hate them so much. I I can't can't fathom how evil they are as a company. You know, and that's my personal opinion. Fine. I'm allowed to have an opinion. I don't think they're actually evil. I don't think their they're hooved feet and fork and pitchfork are <laughs> present where you can see them. But it's just everybody like, yeah, that kind of stuff. That's that's just oh, it's just slimy. It's just slimy. They want you to do everything through them. And I'm not gonna look to their credit. If they're running as much advertising as they say they are and doing all the stuff to promote your stuff. Okay, fine. I, I can I can allow for a certain amount of latitude because if you put your stuff there, they're going to market it. They're going to spread it. They're going to have a search engine that lets people find it. But the one thing I can't get over with them is that when you look up a product that you know that Steve Mosley makes and it's there, it says items you may also – other items you may like. We're going to show you <laughs> items from Keith Drennan and Vincent Ferrari. It's like – no, don't do that. Stop and doing that. And Which would be cheaper. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which would be fine. Like if I look up a Vincent Ferrari cutting board, right? Mm-hmm. And Steve's um um I don't know, his uh cutting board or not a cutting board, um I don't know, his EDC tray mm-hmm. pops up, right? Great. Right? Cuz it's a different product. Right. But I may be into that. Like I looked up Vincent Ferrari's cutting board. Right. Show me stuff in a different realm, right? You're gonna and throw it out there, but that and that's not. Don't what they, show me Stephen's cutting board, Vincent's cutting board. You know, yeah, Chad's because cutting Steven's board. Because a bastard, and he's gonna undercut me, right? Because <laughs> that's yeah. what Steve does. Because he's an engineer, and he does the probability. He says, if, if you know, I could sell this for ninety cents cheaper and get above him on the listings. You know? Oh yeah. It's well. I look I'm, at. I I'm go on there. <laughs> I don't sell on there, but I go on there and people are making cutting boards and they're selling them for thirty five dollars on there. I don't how know. is that how's that even possible? I've thought about it a lot. I've thought about putting stuff on Etsy and just, just to see what happens with it. But I don't wanna I don't wanna do that. Like I don't wanna because I know once I get on there, it's gonna be like, Oh, this isn't selling. Vincent, you know, if you do it, don't do it as handmade. I would not do. I'm I'm not going to lie to you. I would actually change (laughs) my. Because you've been trashing them for so long. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Good point. I didn't even think of that. I was just thinking it would dilute my own brand. I didn't even think of it from the. Oh, he's here now, isn't he? (laughs) I didn't even think of that. Uh, I, I was thinking of putting my digital stuff on there, though. I may still do that because I think that's just that's like I like to call that um my that's my passive revenue. And the stuff that I put up that's charged digital, like people buy it, fine, go ahead and buy it. It's like when people make plans that they don't expect to sell, but it's just like, yeah, if somebody will come along and look for plans, they'll find my plans, they'll buy them. If not, it costs me nothing to put them there, so whatever. Mm -hmm. But now, from what I understand, they're clamping down on inactive listings or things that don't sell any in a certain amount of time. They just deactivate the listing, and it's like, oh, so now I got to monitor it too, so like I can't just put it there, and I just don't have the head for it. They're just evil. They're evil. Thank God. Etsy boys, thank you for the service you provide our nation. It is greatly appreciated. (laughs) 
Um, well, you just got to know, Vincent, when you go put your cutting boards on there, you just need to put really small ones on there and use somebody with very, very small hands to take the photos, you know, in, <laughs> in the picture with the cutting board. So they look there really you big. Go. We'll get yeah. Jimmy's, um, we'll get Jimmy's, um, hand, those hands, <laughs> the push sticks that he uses with the, with the tiny little hands. That would be, that would be perfect. Yeah. Um, that's a good, that's a good thing of the week though. It's E-T-S-E-E boys. They're on Instagram and they are hysterical. And I mean, if, 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 um, if Keith and I are laughing this much at them, I'm pretty sure the rest of you are going to love it too. Especially if you want to hear me trash talk Etsy a little more. <laughs> My thing of the week is the most self-referential thing of the week I have ever done on this show in its history. And I just felt like I am so proud of this little thing and how many people love it and how many people are all of a sudden it's showing up everywhere and people are ordering it. I made, um, when did I make that? I actually made this. I want to say it was May of last year. I was making a lot of cutting boards because it was the height of the pandemic and it was like, okay, I need to, um, I need to put a lot of feet on. And I was just doing the the old trick with the combination square, where you mark, you put it on one side, mark an inch, put it on the other side, mark an inch, and then where they intersect. That's that takes a long time when you're doing a lot of cutting boards at once. And I had seen kind of people with solutions for that, where they had a piece of wood where they basically put two pieces of wood together and then a piece of wood over the top of it to make like a triangle. And they mark, use that to mark the holes. And I'm like, I could make that, but you know, my brain doesn't work as well making stuff like that out of wood as it does 3d printing or whatever. So I sat there with fusion for uh, about two hours, like really just tweaking it, tweaking it and tweaking it. And I made the first revision of this design of a corner hole of a corner jig for marking the holes for feet on a cutting board. And I really liked it. And I brought it into the makers on zoom discord. And one, I believe it was Ben Neiman, my buddy Ben from make for life workshop who came up with an even better idea and he looked at it and he goes, you know, it would be cool. And you know, when everybody, whenever anybody tells you, you know, it would be cool. You should probably listen because they're telling you about a shortcoming in what you're doing. But <laughs> it's, and it's not, it's not even necessarily a bad way to, you know, it's not bad advice or it's not mean. It's something where if somebody's telling you, you know, it would be cool. It's an improvement you could make to something. Pay attention because he was a hundred percent right about this. I had one hole in the spot where I typically put the holes when I make my boards. He goes, you have a lot of space there. Why don't you add a couple of holes at different distances? And I'm like, huh. So I'm looking at it now, and uh-huh. it's awesome. I love the holes. But you know what would be cool? Tell me. Is if <laughs> if ne- This is 3D printed, right? Yes. So if next to each hole, you put the distance, it is away from the corner. So it's funny you say that because I tried doing that and the print just doesn't look good on my printer. If I was going to get these injection molded, which that's the plan, um, I am going to get them marked. I'll, uh, on, the, on the new model that they'll make the tool from when they do the injection molding, I'm going to have it with the distances marked on the bottom so you can tell how far they are. So yes, that is coming. That would be great. And that yeah, I think I the the reason I didn't initially was you know what it's four distances and you're going to do it by eye anyway. You're just going to look at it. you're not going to go. I need this to be an inch and a half off the corner. 
you're going to be like, this looks, this is the spot. It looks the best. Or if I want it a little further in, I'll put it in this one. But yes, I am going to mark those distances. Yeah, that is true. We're talking about feet for cutting board, right? Right, right. This isn't something you'd even see. It's just more of a functional thing. It's the engineer's mind in my, in, in my eye that got me. <laughs> but I really love this little thing. I'm so proud of it. And recently, um, Dean Duplantis actually showed it on his stories. Um, who, oh, Oh man, I knew I was going to do this and I didn't write down the other dude that showed it. Somebody else showed it in his stories and he said he uses it all the time. And all of a sudden I just got an influx of order on orders on these plus people downloading. I have the STL file so you can 3D print it yourself for free. Or if you want to order it from me, I have them pre-made. I just ran off another batch of them over the weekend. They're sitting in my inventory. So if you need one, you can order it from me. I know that the shipping is expensive, but I ship everything UPS ground. So I'm sorry. That's how things work. But this little thing has saved me so much time. It's it's. I have corner markers, like corner radius jigs, and I have this. They're all together, and they all get used all the time. And I swear, if you're a woodworker and you don't think 3D printing is useful to you, it's just because you haven't really thought about it. Because I've made so many custom things from my workflow with my 3D printer. It's just, it's fantastic. It's fantastic to have one. So if you're interested, hit up my store. I'll have the link in the show notes. You can either get the free version and print it yourself, or you can order one directly from me and I will ship it to you in its own little bag with my logo on it because I brand everything because I'm a whore. Um, (laughs) You know who's not a whore though? The people that make this show financially possible. And that would include Leanne and Nick from Hemlock and Hyde, Dave from Atomic Airship Works, Emily Joyce, Ed from Ed's Clocks and More, Rory from RLO Woodworks, Chris from Full Steam Designs, of course. He supports, (laughs) as you guys pointed out, he supports pretty much every podcast, which is awesome. Jeff Stein, a.k.a. A Weird Guy, Debbie Haddock, Jerry Hyduke, Joey from JH Custom Woodcraft, Dean Duplantis, Jacob Anguiano from Native Sun Wood Art, Robert J. Keller, Scott from Dad at Yourself DIY, the one and only Grant Alexander, Tony Langer from Langerworks, Jacob from Other Dog Designs, Jake from IMakeJake.com, Big Al Schultz, my buddy from New York Woodworks, uh, Justin Ofler, Bear Naked, Greg from Platte Valley Woodworks, Adam Mackey, Maker Mackey, and the Clamp Podcast, Kim and Garrett, Andrew Richard from Andrew Richard Makes, Kellen Hazlip of Kellen Makes, David from Southern Style DIY, Jeff the Weekend DIYer, Sean Walworth from the Proper Tools Podcast, Chris Rayleigh of Route 9 Signs, and new this week to the list, Henry Davis from HT1 Metalworks. Thank you all for making the show financially possible. We really appreciate it. If you can't support the show financially, that's fine too. Reviews help. Um, sharing the show helps. Turning someone new onto it so they become a fan. That all helps. And even suggesting people for future episodes that we always like to uh, get that feedback from you guys. Also, if you haven't already, I don't know about their timelines for delivery, but we do have some listeners that have shops. Um, you can go to becausewemake.com slash listener shops, and you can order from some of the people that make this show possible. And it would be a really cool thing to do for Christmas. You'd support the people that make this show possible and you'd be supporting some small businesses. And remember, this stuff is not on container ships sitting in the middle of the Pacific Ocean waiting to get into the shore, into the port of Long Beach. So if you want to actually have something for Christmas rather than a picture of something for Christmas, maybe you want to hit these guys up and order something from them. Steve, it has been an absolute pleasure having you, my friend. Oh, thank you guys so much. This has been a blast. It's is this is this your first podcast? 
Yes, it is, actually, yeah. All right, another one. Yes. <laughs> yes. <Because> virgin. <laughs> this is my, this is my fa- I always say it's my favorite thing when we ask people, is, it, is this your first podcast? And they say, yes, well, it's, it's, it's been great having you. I, I feel like I've known you forever, and I don't know that I've known you all that long, but I feel like I've right. known you forever, so that's a good thing. Um, yeah, yeah, I feel the same way. We're going to have your, we'll have all your links in the show notes. It's way people can find you. And you should definitely subscribe to him on YouTube and even more so as much as YouTube, I'll say, I won't say more so because I don't want to weigh your socials for you, but um, (laughs) you should definitely check out his Instagram. He's very active on Instagram. You're one of the most active Instagrammers that I know of, and it's fun to watch you. Your stories are good. You're you post a lot of interesting stuff and a lot of behind the scenes stuff for your upcoming YouTube videos ends up on your Instagram. So it's yep. good. It's a good combination. You have a good strategy going on there. Well, thank you. And of course, my fill in co-host this week, my good friend, Mr. Keith Drennan, Blackthorn Concepts. Keith, thank you so much for filling in. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm here when you need me. And now you can jump <laughs> back in. <laughs> and tell the boys, hey, guess what I did? <laughs> I, I can't, can't wait. I can't I, wait. I absolutely cannot wait to hear this episode because, like I said, all the excitement over someone cheating and being a guest, and you're like, well, I haven't been on any other podcasts. I'm like, we're going <laughs> to fix that. <laughs> or as, as, um, my, as my buddy over at Project Farm says, we're going to test that. <laughs> so. Yeah, but it's been it's been great having you, and we'll have obviously your links. And go listen to the Proper Tool Proper Tools podcast. Nope, wrong show. Go wrong listen. Show. To, you can listen to Proper Tools. They're good. The proper guys Tools too. is pretty good too. Yeah. <laughs> but definitely check out Working Hands podcast. They, you guys are episode fifteen this week. No, twenty. Oh. Two when, twenty-three. Somewhere where the in there. hell did I get fourteen? I thought you did fourteen last week. I can't count for you. Nothing. Listened to fourteen last week. That is totally possible. <laughs> that is totally possible. I was trying to catch up a little bit. I was trying to catch up. Look, I'll tell you something. Okay, if I listen to a new episode of your show and I don't just go right into the flow and just wait for the next one, that's a good sign. I listened to like three episodes of your podcast in one shot as I was in the shop last that's week. Good. I will say the first couple are. Uh, I'm not proud of them, but they're there. <laughs> well, the difference the difference between you and everybody else who talks about making a podcast is you did more than talk about making a podcast, so you should be happy about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, the episode with about it. the episode with Andrew from Forge and Fire, Adam, Adam. Adam. I got to tell you, Adam dude, Cutter, that was Uncle that Sam. was just absolutely fantastic. He was yeah, that he, was a fun episode. He was fun, man. It was fun getting that behind the scenes. But if you even if you guys want to start with an episode, you could start with that one. But I, you know, go back to Chris and listen to Chris again because I know you heard Chris this past week on here. Go back and listen to Chris on there. But the episode with was it what was the episode called? It was the Uncle Sam the Bladesmith. That's it, Uncle Sam the Bladesmith. You get a really interesting inside look at how Forged and Fire works, and I know there's a lot of Forged and Fire fans in this audience, including me. I am a huge Forged and Fire fan, so it was really <laughs> cool hearing someone that's actually been on the show and how they pick people that are going to compete and all that. And you guys did a bang up job with him. And he, he supports you guys financially. Yes. Like, wow. Look at you. We have a few. Yeah, you get, you get your celebrity on. <laughs> but, I'm, try, I'm trying, Vincent. I'm trying. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully you guys, hopefully our audience will go check out your show and uh, hopefully they'll go check out both of you guys because you're both doing great stuff and uh, you're both really cool people. And I'm glad to call both of you friends. So it's been great talking to both of you tonight. That well, is 
Oh, anytime, anytime. That's going to do it for this week, everybody. Next week is the last show of 2021 and the last show for a couple of weeks after that. So you're not going to want to miss it. Um, Like I said, Ethan will either be here. If Ethan is not here, send the Coast Guard out looking for him. Something went horribly wrong. I'm not going to tell you who the guest is, of course, because I never do that. But it's it's going to be a good one, I promise. And until then, have a great week, everybody. 